And this is week 22 um, uh, from the book of Romans entitled Read It Yourself. Uh, a milestone this morning in my uh, life. Um, sermon number 900 that I have spoke from a pulpit somewhere in this building um, in the past uh, 13 years, uh, November the 9th, we will have been in this building seven years, um, and I will have been on staff on November the 9th um, for 13 years, and so um, it's, uh, I never take for granted, I went through a span in 2018 till 2020, had seven surgeries, cancer, uh, just recently, so um, had stents, multiple stents placed again in my heart, and yet God is faithful, and I'm very thankful um, for what he's done in my life and what he's doing in the life of Big Branch Church, and I believe the best is yet to come. I'm not the least bit discouraged. I'm not the least bit worried. God is in control and he's got a plan. Um, I, I'm encouraged and enthused every day. I had the opportunity this week to go and be in our local school system and, and speak to probably 100 kids in FCA. Michael unable to do it this week and I hadn't spoke to kids in probably 40 years. And uh, it was an experience that I, um, I'll cherish. Um, but uh, I, I found out one thing about children and, and adults in, in my entire life. And I'll give you a spiritual uh, aspect you'll never forget. Feed them and they'll come. Uh, I had donuts and the room was full, you know, and so you feed them and they'll come, and that's the same way with church. You feed them and they'll come, so. Ah, Romans, I've never thought about writing, a, well, I have, I, I, that's, I was about to tell a not truth. I, I've thought about writing two books in my life. I have an outline for one with the chapters named. It's called The Products of Divorce. I come from a divorced family, and I, I have a book that I've never published um, about the products of divorce, the byproducts of divorce. And if I was going to write any other book, I would take this series of messages from the book of Romans and entitle it What I Believe um, and uh, to be true. And if you have missed these messages, any of them, I would suggest that you just make it a a habit to go back on Facebook or Sermon Audio and pick them up because read it for yourself when you want to know what to believe, and that's what the book of Romans is about. So we're in chapter 10 this morning. There's um, uh, chapter 9 was the past about Israel. Chapter 10, we often think of the, the major portion of the Romans road where we lead people to Christ from. However, it really starts out talking about the present state of Israel. And in chapter 10, Paul moves from 
the sovereignty and the election of God to the responsibility of man. And he informs us Israel is just as lost as Gentiles are, and the reason for their rejection uh, is very simple. Um, And we would think of all nations on earth, I mean, it's said about America, but you would think of all nations, uh, Israel as a nation, uh, as none other would have been eagerly expecting the arrival of the Messiah. And, And for centuries they had heard Old Testament prophecies and the law, Paul even stated in, in, in Galatians chapter 3, I believe it's 24, 25, 26, somewhere there, that, that the law was a schoolmaster to lead them to Christ. And, and, and God sought to prepare them for the Messiah. And, and yet when Christ came, Israel rejected him. And... John 1, 1 even states that he came to his own and his own received him not. And, and when you look at it from that perspective, they obviously were a few that trusted Christ. We, we know the, the disciples, but the majority of the people of, of God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, were not ready when he came. And... We understand all in the sovereignty and, and the purpose of God, the, the Christ and the cross, and yet, how do we explain the tragedy that now for these 2,000 and some odd years, Israel still, still, is we have to have missionaries to go to Israel. The lady that we had as a guide when we were there in 2013 was a Jewish lady, and she wouldn't even talk about Christ. In fact, when we stopped together at the different sites that we were at and brought the Bible into, you know, into play as to what happened on these sites, she would go off and, and walk away and not even listen to any gospel presentation. I had a conversation with her, and a good conversation. She wasn't mad or anything about, you know... The, somewhat thinks Christ was a prophet, but the Messiah has not come. How do we explain that tragedy away? And I want you to listen this morning. We're going to start with Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. And I want you to listen to the passion and the compassion of Paul as he gives reasons for their rejection. And he starts in Romans 10, 1, Brethren, My heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel is that they might be saved. That's coming from a guy that had rejected him. And I would say this morning, that needs to be our prayer for America, is that America would be saved, the people of of this country. We used to could call ourselves a Christian nation, and the majority of people in this nation were Christians. That is not true anymore. We, we are 
in fact a godless society and more people don't know God than do know God. And, and it, it, it gets worse and worse every day. There used to be a statistic that if you had lined the people up above America, around the globe, they'd circle the globe three times, those that have never trusted Christ and don't know that if they died today, they're going to heaven. Sad, sad, but true. They rejected simply because they did not feel a need for salvation was the first state that uh, the first case that Paul makes after he asked that the desire was for them to be saved and I would say that is or that America does not either they they don't feel a need for salvation in this country and nor did Israel Paul understood as well as anybody I mean, Israel's condition. He had been there where they sat. Jesus, to Paul, was an imposter. And when he meets Christ on the Damascus Road and it changed his life from one of persecuting Christians to one of uh, presenting the gospel, then it, 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 you just can't imagine... He, the heartbreak that he had in those words when he said, my prayer is that Israel is to be saved because he had to feel some type of guilt maybe or some type of, of conviction that, wow, I was a part of the persecution of Christians. With all Israel possessed, they were not saved. You have to think about the Old Testament prophecies that prophesied of the Messiah to come. They, you know, may I sadly say that you can draw a distinct parallel between Israel and the United States in this day and age. I think it's sad, but true. There are statistics that believe that that 50 to 75% of the people that are sitting in churches that are members of churches are not saved? You say, how can that be? Um, Because just like Israel, they are religious but lost. Religious but lost. They are just members of a religious club Um, They never have believed in, they never have or put their faith and trust in Christ. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except by the Father or except through me. No one. Religious but lost. Uh, An individual sat here in this church three weeks ago, said, I was raised a devout, and he named a denomination, christened and baptized as a child, told me right out there in the parking lot, he had trusted Christ in this service, and he said, but I'm lost, I was lost as Hogan goat until this morning, and I knew it. And that's in our denominations and in our churches all across this country. 
people that are religious, following rituals and traditions, but lost, just like the nation of Israel. Religious, but lost. Believing that good works, some church ritual, or some tradition, or some baptism, or some membership, saved them. When that is not what the Bible teaches. Israel had a God-given religion, um, but they needed to be saved and still do. And people in this country have a religion that need to be saved because they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Religious, but lost. This idea though, of some superior race for the nation of Israel or inferior race is ridiculous. The, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God is what Paul said in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. And the sad part is, is most people that, that live a religious life do not think that they are sinners and that they don't need salvation. And that's what Paul is pulling across from these scriptures this morning. All have sinned and and. Whoever you are, listening, sitting here this morning, or watching on Facebook, you need a Savior. We all need a Savior. And I don't care what your social social position is. I don't care what your church membership is. I don't care how good of a person you are. I would love to tell you the time that I go to funerals. And people say, well, they were a good person. I'll get to see them again in heaven. And that is a lie from hell. Being a good person does not get you in heaven when you die. Don't care what your position is, what the color of your skin, whatever it is that you have your trust in to get you to heaven other than Jesus Christ will fail you someday. Without trusting Christ, we are all hell-doomed sinners and God puts this in neon lights in the book of Romans in chapter 10, point blank dot, for no one to miss. We all need a Savior. We all need to put our faith and trust in Christ. No exceptions. There was no exceptions for Israel, and there is no exceptions for us in America either. There are people today that just like Israel, they feel like they have no need of a Savior. And they're just going about life as if hell does not exist. Religious, but lost. The second thing that he brings out of this passage is that they were proud and self-righteous. Romans 10, 2. He, he, just, he says, For I, I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to to knowledge, religion. 
They were proud and self-righteous. The Jews were so zealous in their beliefs that they improved upon the law of God with traditions and rituals, much like many denominations in this country today. They improved upon them, making their rituals and their traditions equal to God's law. But their zeal was not based on knowledge. Religious people today have made the same mistake. And I'll go on record and say this morning, you can be as busy as a termite with activities, with sports, with community, with worship, with whatever it is that it is that you think is your activity and be lost, no relationship with Christ or the Holy Spirit and you can lose your family being active and religious. It is a zeal of God without knowledge. Because you are not saved by the traditions, the rituals, nor the good works that you are performing. Being a good person will send you to hell someday if that's what you're basing your salvation on. Busy, but lost. And I do not mean to minimize involvement in any form of church... uh, 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 activities, nor church membership. I personally believe that everybody that is a member of Big Branch Church ought to be here in every service. And I'll I'll give a a deviate for COVID, but everybody ought to be in every service and they ought to be involved in their local church in some form or fashion, even if all you do on on, on the morning of, during your devotion is pray for this pastor. That's all you're able to do. That's your service. Everybody ought to be involved in the service of God in their local church in some form or fashion. I'll never forget as long as I live visiting Frankie Wallace in the living room of her daughter. And she said, Preacher, I can't be there no more. I can't worship and I can't come and say amen. She said, but I want you to know this morning I prayed for you. Involved in her local church on her dying bed. Everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. But the average church member is dumb as a dodo bird. And that's just the fact of the matter when you start talking about relationship with Christ. They don't understand what it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't understand the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. It's non-existent in their lives. The majority of churches are are just simply dead 
A few years ago, I found that out while trying to borrow a baptism, to have baptisms. I had pastors in churches that were our friends and still are, and I wouldn't tell you who they were. I, well, we've got Christmas decorations in our baptistry. It hadn't been filled in years. God have mercy. Our heater doesn't work, and we haven't fixed it. We had no need for it. Non-existent. They wouldn't, no one saved in you. We just take for granted here when people stand in this service and look me eyeball to eyeball and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and leave here like it's no big deal. There's churches that hadn't had anybody saved in years and wouldn't know what to do or what to tell them if they came to an altar to get saved. It's sad what takes place in Christianity this day. It's, it, it's just sad that, that, that Christians live the life that they do and they make a mockery of what Christianity looks like. Their reputation, their character, their behavior doesn't line up with what they say they believe. You know what that's called? Hypocrisy. The majority are dead. Churches are dead. Proud and yet self-righteous, much like Israel that Paul is talking about in these passages. The last thing, they misunderstood their own law. They misunderstood. Romans 10, 3 through 7. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness. There's the good works I'm talking about. If you want to be righteous, you've got to place the righteousness of Christ on your life. Being ignorant. Think about what Paul is saying there. Read it for yourself. They have not submitted to the righteousness of God. They they have not accepted Christ as their Savior. He could have just as easily said. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, and the man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith, listen, speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend unto the abyss into hell. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. This is true of Israel and they misunderstood. Our righteousness is applied to our lives. And I'm not, I'm not belittling living righteous and good works. I'm just saying that's not what Paul says gets you to heaven. That's not salvation. It's Christianity, yes. Living a life of Christ. 
Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it looks like to be a Christian. However, those things are not what is is going to get you. It's Christ who died on the cross, and it, it gets even plainer. They misunderstood. This is true of the average church member today. They lack discernment between what is salvation and what is Christian living. Most fail to see biblical teaching essential or even the need of personal application. Sad, we see intellectual knowledge of God's Word with an utter failure to see personal application or any form of spiritual meaning. I've watched for over 42 years now men and women and children carrying Bibles attend church, hold positions in church, teach classes, wear their suits and ties and dresses, and talk the talk, who walk out of the door on Sunday morning, away from the church or on the job and in school, and it does not reflect relational Christianity. Their lives don't. Never win a soul to Christ. They never even witness of Christ. There is no spiritual growth. Their reputation is in the gutter or their Christianity character is not present in their lives. So many church people don't have a clue what it means to be saved. To most it is good works and be a good person. The law came to end in Christ. It is not good works or being a good person that gets you to hell or gets you to heaven that will send you to hell. However, once you have put your faith and trust in Christ, you are to live a life of holiness that is pleasing to God. And that's called Christian living, not salvation. Who shall ascend to heaven or who shall descend to hell, he says. You don't have to make a trip anywhere. Let me say that plain and simple. You get it by faith right where you sit, right where you're watching this morning in your seat, right where you are now. Nothing wrong with going to an altar. Nothing. We've had people here at the altar almost weekly. There's nothing wrong, but salvation is available to you where you are now, right now. Whether it's on Facebook, in your car, your living, I've heard my brother-in-law give his testimony. I got saved in my car going up the road one morning. It's in your living room. You can pray and ask Christ to forgive you and come into your heart and accept the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection as payment for your sins where you are. They misunderstood their own law and the prophecies of the Savior, the Messiah to come. 
And I'll conclude. Presently, salvation is both for Jew and Gentile. He brings this out in those last six verses. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 13. Please read it for yourself with me this morning. What does it say? The word is nigh thee or near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Man, underline that because the resurrection is an essential to faith. He is the risen Savior. Read that for yourself. That if you will believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Doesn't say one practices unto righteousness. Underline that. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. In other words, salvation is present to everyone when to then and this day, Jew and Gentile alike. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those six Verses explain the how-to of salvation so clear and plain and simple that even a child cannot miss it. It is better than the books of... I I used to have to read the books for dummies when they first handed me a... a, I'm I'm really going to... an IBM. (laughs) And and it had Lotus. We didn't know what... we, We didn't have a a clue what numbers or or Excel looked like. It was Lotus back then. And and I said, what am I supposed to do with this thing? And they said, learn how to use it. And I said, how am I supposed to go enroll in a class somewhere? I went to OU to take classes. And uh, I said, this, this isn't working. You're all flying over my head like an airplane. And I got books for dummies on how to do stuff. And that's how I learn. And the salvation here is easier than the book for dummies. It's explained that simple. My pastor used to say that you put, the, put it in the manger where the little calves can reach it and the old cows will get their food because what's he saying? You've got to make it understandable where everybody understands it. The word is nigh thee. I remember, she's not here this morning, had a tragedy during the night, but I remember Mary Ellen's dad reading him this verse. The word is nigh thee. He told me, he said, Preacher, I've read my Bible many times and communed with God in the woods and in my chair. And I personally believe he was saved before we ever talked that day out in his yard. I I just, I do. But I told him, I said, the word is nigh thee. 
and he prayed the sinner's prayer and asked Christ to forgive him of his sins, what he really done was just confirmed or consummated his belief that he already had. The word is nigh thee, even in your, in your, in your mouth. And, and there are folks who maintain that a believer has to make a public confession of faith. That is not what Paul is, t- is saying here. He's not saying it's a must. Because for, I can tell you for 20 years, uh, <laughs> I, I saw many folks come forward and, and make a public profession of faith, and they weren't any more saved than Hogan's goat. Uh, <laughs> You say, where are they now? I don't know. The FBI can't find some of them. It's the truth of the matter. But it's kind of like our church members, you know, that all nobody knows where they all are. You can't tell. Here's what I know about Christian people. You can't tell by the honk or the horn how much gas is in the tank. You can't because there should be a harmony what Paul is saying here. You can't, you can't. There's got to be a harmony between what is in your heart and what you confess with your mouth. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made. When you make that public profession, whether it's coming forward or whether it's baptism, you make dead sure that your heart and your motives are right. They're not just idle words that mean nothing to you personally. Is what Paul is, is trying to tell us there. Because if there is confession without faith in Christ, it is due to two things two things it is self-deception or it is hypocrisy one or the other i've been accused through the years of easy believism folks i don't read it any other way than what's right here in romans chapter 10 is easy whoever believes shall not be ashamed Once someone raises their hand in a service, it is why I ask them, look me eyeball to eyeball. I want to see you. I want you to acknowledge to me, eye to eye, that you're confessing Christ and that you've prayed and asked Him in. And it's why I ask them after they pray, did you receive Christ as your Savior? That's their confession. That's them speaking out. When you pray to receive Christ and you're not ashamed. Verse 12 says, For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. You can't come to Christ by Old Testament ritual. Mosianic law. Church denomination ritual. Membership. But salvation is offered to all people on the same basis. Mercy of God by grace through faith 
in Jesus Christ. And if you believe in your heart by faith, the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ as payment for your sin and confess with your mouth and call upon the Lord, Paul said it's that simple. You can and shall be saved. This is where it moves from election and sovereignty of God to the responsibility of man. You must make that decision yourself personally. It is not difficult. It is not complicated. You say, oh, but preacher, this you, you got to pray till you get through. I strongly and adamantly disagree. This is not a party line, and neither is God's have a busy signal on his end. Some of you look at me like, what, what's a party line? <laughs> I was raised in the country. I can remember when the first phone went in on, on the road that we lived on as a child. Linda and I, we lived on the same road as kids. And we had one lady that she'd want to stay on the phone all the time. And whenever she got through, if you'd have picked it up on her to listen to her conversation, it's called a party line. You say, What? She'd leave her phone off the hook so nobody else could use the phone. God isn't on a party line. God doesn't have a busy signal on the other end. When you look at God and say, God, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come into my heart and save me and forgive me of my sins. He's honor-bound by His Word to accept you into the fold when you trust Christ and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. I get so sick and tired of preachers and individuals, Casper milk toast, panty, silk panty, wasted people sending me nasty letters and saying, you just make it too easy. I didn't make it too easy. Did you just read that for yourself? They want to confuse the message of the gospel. Thank God it wasn't hard. I don't know if I'd have made it. I can tell you one thing. They don't read the same book of Romans that I've read. And if they did, it must not have been the right version. Just read it for yourself, those last six verses. It's that simple. It's that easy. Pastor Irby used to say, if God made it simple so old men and women like myself and children would know how to get it done, let's stand.